Welcome to the Houston Strength Podcast. Let's uncover your strength. What's going on, guys? This is Jordan, and welcome to the Houston Strength Podcast. Sorry for the delay. We had some mishaps at the gym with the hurricane the past week, and it's just been busy, and I thought, what better to talk about than fitness business? Um, This is all I've done for the last, we're going on 12 years now. I started in the industry while I was in school as a fitness consultant, so in memberships, worked my way into personal training while I finished up school, and I have continued with training and doing more strength and conditioning with athletes in the private sector, running my own facility for the last six years. So I like to think I have a good handle on the way a gym operates, both on the larger scale and then in the private sector, even if you're just working as a trainer, contracting out of another gym. So we're just going to talk about some of the things that happen on the back end of the fitness business. And if you were considering getting into the industry, just some things to consider. It's not a not an easy road to do this full time, but it's a very rewarding career and you can make a good living if you do it right. So when you're in a big gym, what we call the big box gyms, this is your 24 hour fitness, your LA fitness, your lifetime you're going to have different departments in the gym. The big three you'll see are operations. So this is going to be your maintenance, your janitorial crew, making sure the gym looks good and is operating as it should. You're going to have your sales staff. So this is usually going to include your membership manager. And then sometimes they will group in the training sales with the sales staff, and then you're gonna have a training department. And this is who is servicing the sessions sold, whether it's by the sales staff. Sometimes you'll have a personal training sales manager on the sales staff. A lot of the bigger gyms uh, will run it differently. But for the most part, you're gonna have a few different departments. You're not going to have somebody wearing a whole lot of hats when it comes to the gym operations. You're gonna have somebody that has their role, they do it well, and they work in conjunction with the other departments to make sure the facility as a whole is running smoothly. Whereas, and this is what I learned the very, very hard way, when you go to open up a smaller training facility or even if you open a larger one by yourself in the beginning, you're gonna have to have multiple roles. So you're gonna wear a whole lot of hats. Um, You're gonna be a coach most of the time. You're gonna have to handle some business administration on the back end, customer service. And in the beginning, you're probably gonna be doing your bookkeeping. You're probably gonna be the janitor and you're gonna have to learn how to fix your equipment or you're gonna be paying a whole lot of people to do tasks that are gonna be hard to justify in the beginning when you don't have the cash flow that an established facility might have. So definitely something to consider. It's uh, a lot of fun running my facility, but I'm also up there seven days a week for something. It's, It's really hard to step away at this point in our business and especially with the way the pandemic impacted the business. We've did everything we could to stay open and we were able to weather that storm, but wasn't easy by any means and we're running pretty lean right now on a business standpoint so 
just make sure to consider that if you're thinking about opening up your facility. It's not as simple as finding a space and throwing some equipment in there. And that old adage, if you build it, they will come. It could be further from the truth. I really think you should have an established clientele before you consider opening a facility. I had over 40 active clients just on my schedule alone. And then I had a team ready to go when we opened the doors and we were rolling. And I definitely think if you are going to open a facility, be open to contracting that facility. It's unlikely that you're going to be able to use the whole space. So in the beginning, that'll help with offsetting expenses. And I've been grateful to everybody that's contracted through us in the past and currently. That definitely helps if you have good quality coaches that are contracting in your facility. It can help to elevate your brand and just kind of have that proof that there are people working in the facility. So if you are considering getting into the industry, I, I definitely think some type of sales background or if nothing else, watch some YouTube on sales and get a baseline understanding of what the fitness industry as a personal trainer, whether you're a contractor or you're running a training facility, what that entails. So you're going to be trying to generate leads. So this is where you're going to have to figure out how to market the offerings that you have or the membership to your facility. Then you're going to have to work on funneling those leads in. So a lot of the times it's not as easy as just getting a number and people usually don't pick up on the first call. So just finding that science of being able to reach out, get in contact, get them through the door and then having a process to show them your offerings and hopefully get them on board as a client or member. And outside of the sales, the the training, and, and I always consider myself a trainer and a coach first. And then I, have a facility where I do that at and we have a team, but at the end of the day, we're, we're all peers working alongside each other. I just happen to have the lease to the gym in my name. But if you're a trainer, really think about your availability. And if you want to do this full time, what that entails, we used to always joke, most uh, industries, you're going to be working nine to five, whereas in the fitness industry, you're going to go five to nine and then go five to nine again in the evening. And it's grueling sometimes if you give yourself a bad turnaround where you take a late client and then you gotta be back up 5 a.m. in the morning in the gym. And uh, being able to bring a high level of service, a high level of energy, staying motivated, working a schedule like that day after day is grueling on the body. You gotta make sure you're taking care of yourself, take care of your nutrition, make sure you're working out yourself easier said than done, even when we are in the gym all day, but just making sure that you're doing everything you can to provide the best quality service. And then also do all the work that happens outside the session. And there's too many trainers in the industry right now that are going to walk in the gym and, uh, Hey Jane, Hey John, let's do a little chest today and walk over to the bench press and just go freestyle a session. And, not to say you can't have a workout like that with that freestyle style, but if you want to be a professional in this industry, there needs to be some rhyme, some reason, some structure 
to what you're doing in the gym. And that's the work outside the session. That's doing your programming, having some type of periodization, making sure you're not randomly progressing and regressing movements. Know how to assess movement and dysfunction and restriction before picking a new movement for a client or athlete to go through. And that's something we can go through in a little more depth another day. But just definitely make sure you're doing the work outside the gym. I've found it very helpful over the years to implement apps. And there's plenty of websites and apps outside of the ones that I use to streamline your business and make that back end work a little smoother and clean and keep everything in one place. There was a point in time where I would walk into the gym and I had a backpack filled with little journals, you know, a three inch by five inch journal. And I must have had 25 clients at the time. So I had 25 little journals and I would flip back to a few weeks back, see what we did, make sure we're progressing, check the numbers, check the movements. But now I'm able to do that all online. We use the Train Heroic app and we actually do have community program programming. I'll talk about that at the end, but it's definitely helped us to get organized and also have a clean product outside of the session. So if I have a client that travels, I can still write them some workouts. There's some logging, there's some accountability, and that's huge. And then the next thing I want to talk about the work outside of the session is what you're doing for retention and scheduling. If you're working a full schedule and somebody wants to come at, say, 6 p.m., which is a popular time, you need to make sure that you have that booked in. You're, you're running a book and you have everything Organized so that you don't end up double booking yourself. Eh? Because when you get busy, you can be a organized person. If you're not on top of this, it's going to happen to the best of us. There's plenty of times where I've been training and somebody else walks through the door and that's 100% on me. And then I'm automatically in damage control mode. And then the quality of my service has just diminished. So we need to make sure you have systems in place and i think it's great to utilize apps you know we've got everything on our phones i run everything off an ipad in the gym for programming scheduling billing all of that and that can help you wear less hats especially as you get deeper into the industry you're running a book you have trainers working alongside you it can be intimidating but when you get that cleaned up and when you get into those systems, it makes your life a lot easier. And the ability to scale once you have systems is uh, significantly higher rather than carrying around a bunch of little journals in a backpack and trying to stay organized and stay up with what everybody's doing and when they're doing it. So speaking more on the wearing lots of hats and staying organized, I've found once you do get to the point where you have a staff and you're working alongside other coaches and potentially admin service staff, make sure you figure out the tasks that you need to be doing yourself. And a little exercise I found very helpful was to take a piece of paper, split it into four quadrants and separate the things you like to do and are good at, the things you like to do and are not good at the things you don't like to do and are good at the things you don't like to do and are not good at. And then from there, you can get a better idea of the tasks that you want to keep for yourself 
And then you can work with your peers to figure out what you can delegate and what somebody else may be better at than you because it's impossible, especially if you want to remain involved in the business like myself as a coach to do everything and train a full schedule. We've had days where, you know, we'll have multiple coaches see eight plus clients in a day. I personally was seeing 12 to 15 a day for months on end and I could do nothing on the back end. And then I had to take that step back and realize I just can't say yes to everybody that wants to come into the gym. Great problem to have, problem nonetheless. And then the last thing on that I want to talk about is seek help and mentorship early and always be learning. And that is something that I think I got down early. I was always trying to go to workshops. I was reading. Uh, now I've been doing a lot more of listening to podcasts on my own, just come on the go a lot and then audiobooks. But if you're early in your career and you're just going into the gym, training your people and waiting on phone calls for people to come in the gym, you're not going to make it very long. This is a constantly evolving industry. You're going to see research from two years ago that is going to be completely negated by research that came out last week and just kind of staying up on the trends. Because when you do get clients going back to sales that come in, they're going to have seen something on social media or they've got a friend that tried some new trend in the industry. And at the very least, you want to be able to be familiar with those trends and explain why or why not you think that's a good idea and whether you can implement that in a program for them in the gym. So success is just being consistent with learning, bettering yourself and doing the little things well. That's something that will take you far. You just got to, especially if you're running a facility, keep it clean, make sure everything's stocked. If equipment is broken, fix it or get somebody to come fix it. Stay on your marketing, keep your social media current. If you're running email campaigns, make sure you're staying up on those and following up when you do reach out to potential clients. If they get back to you, try to be punctual with a response because more often than not, if somebody reaches out to you, you're not the only coach they're reaching out to. A lot of people come in looking for a trainer and we know they're price shopping and I'm happy to tell them the good facilities that are in a two mile radius from me because there are a handful of us that do it well and there's no reason for them not to know those other guys are there and see if maybe they are a better fit for them than our facility. We're not for everybody. But just be be transparent, try to be consistent and just come in with good intentions and the industry will be good to you. So I want to talk a little bit more about marketing, something that I have kind of learned along the way. I do not have a background in marketing at all. I've gone to a few workshops specific to fitness business and done some reading on my own. But the main things that have worked for me have been social media. So we have a decent presence on Instagram and Facebook locally. And and that's the next thing I'm going to talk about is just being a local celebrity. I could care less about having 100,000 followers if, you know, 99% of those followers are over in Europe. That does me no good. I run a one-on-one training facility. That's our primary form of business. So it does me no good to have a bunch of followers that are not local 
to where my business is and I'm not going to be able to generate any money from those people unless I can just get everybody into online training, which that's something I've had trouble with personally, but we do offer it. And then you want to make sure building on that, you're doing the belly to belly marketing. And I always uh, don't do as much of it now, but early on we got out to the local restaurants, bars, sports facilities, and if they had a community board, you were going to see our stuff and that's just hitting the streets. And there's plenty of people like I, I still go to Freebirds. Every time I go to Freebirds and get a burrito bowl or whatever, I'll put some flyers up there. And I think it's important to not stop doing that because you don't know who's going to see it and they might not even see you right away. You're just building some brand awareness in your neighborhood. And that's probably the most important thing. So something I'm looking to do is get my truck wrapped with uh, my logo. So when I'm driving around, if the people don't come into the gym, at least they've seen my brand. So next time they see it, they might be more inclined to look into a little deeper. We've also done very well on community boards. So both on Facebook and then we like the app Nextdoor, which is just a community forum specific to your location. And there's some great clients on those and it's it's free. You just, a lot of the times if there's an administrator, they'll only let you post once a month or so, but yeah, that, that's definitely a very valuable uh, resource because those people all live within a couple of miles of where you're operating. So definitely look into the local stuff. And then you can also get on Craigslist. I think it's an underrated tool. I've gotten some great clients from Craigslist over the years. In the beginning, I did a lot more of these apps like Thumbtack and Angie's List. And the way those work is you're going to pay and you get these credits and somebody will bid quotes for the job they want performed. So if somebody's looking for a personal trainer, I can pay whatever it comes out to. It's like three or four bucks and I can tell them about my business and tell them what my prices are and try to get them in the gym. I've used that one. I've used a coach up in the past as well. That's just one. You uh, sign up through their platform, do a background check, and then they will book people onto your schedule. And a lot of those apps like CoachUp and Thumbtack, they're going to take a piece in the beginning, but it's been good for us in the beginning when we had the time just to get people through the door. So don't limit yourself with just using Facebook, Instagram. There's a lot of other online resources and then i think even more important than that it's getting out shaking hands getting your cards out at the nutrition stores the chiropractors the anywhere with a community board you need to build your brand awareness by getting out there because otherwise they're they're not going to come like i said earlier in the podcast you build it and they will come is not true in what i've experienced in over 10 years in this industry so I hope this was helpful. I'm going to keep it a little shorter today. We'll try to get a little more regular with these podcasts, but I should be good for one to two a month moving forward. If you guys have anything you'd like me to talk about, feel free to reach out via the gym's Instagram, Facebook, or shoot me an email. It's Jordan at Houston Strength. If you'd like a free week of online programming via the Train Heroic app, visit our website, houstonstrength.com. And I will catch y'all next time. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. Subscribe to catch the next episode of the Houston Strength Podcast and uncover your strength.